0: And now your host, Self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited Dell Wamsley My address if you want to contact me is askdell at dot com which stands for Lifestyles Unlimited Inc. so it's askdell at dot ask Dell at l u i n c dot com. And uh, we can get your, you know, questions answered for you. It's me answering your questions. No one else. Uh, I take my own emails and so forth. So if you got something, send it to me, and we'll see if we can get. It. If it's good, uh, we'll we'll think about putting it on the radio as a question uh, that we can answer. Today, my friends, want to discuss housing and housing costs. And what we're seeing in the industry out there. It's interesting because last week, you know, the topic, the big topic was inflation. The Fed had just come out and announced it had the highest inflation since 19, or I'm sorry, 2008. So, with that 5.4% inflation rate that we had in June, the June measurement, being the highest since 2008, you have to ask yourself what's going to happen. Now, when we get into this, you have to understand that there are the facts as they sit today, which I'll share with you the facts as they sit today. And then there is the fact that we have a government issue that can do anything it wants. You've got the Fed on one hand can do whatever it wants, and then you've got the legislature on the other hand that can do whatever it wants. And who knows what they will do in response to where all this is sitting right now. So, there's really no exact answer you could come up with as to what's going to happen. What you can do is look at what is happening, and you can predict short-term, but you can't predict either long-term or very long-term, because you just don't know what either the government will do or the Fed will do. Right? So, we look at this right now and say, what's going on? We'll start with the 5.4% inflation. That's a lot. And for those of you as old as I am, remember back in Jimmy Carter years, it actually got up to as high as 12% at one time. It got to the point where you couldn't afford anything. The dollar was worth almost nothing. And if we're going down that road right now, if we're heading that direction, then all bets are off as to what can actually happen, what could actually be the value of anything that you would go out there and buy, including investment properties, as far as their asset value. That is why I got into the business Back when the Great Recession hit, nineteen eighty seven, and but when we got into that recession there, and interest rates were very, very high, and inflation, stagflation was going rampant. All of a sudden, they pulled the plug out of the value of a piece of real estate by taking away its ability to be used as a tax deduction. So everybody had bought real estate at the time to use them as tax deductions, and they took that right off away. And when they took the right off away, the value of real estate crashed and created a massive recession. So now, we look back at that and we say, well, what does that have to do with what's going on now? Well, we're in a situation right now where people are buying assets, big assets, large apartment complexes, expensive homes, massive amounts of real estate as a hedge. And what are they hedging? they're hedging inflation. Because real estate is an inflation-hedged asset. It goes up when everything else goes up. Now, the reason why real estate is so good as a hedge is because, unlike gold, which may go up and down with the, the value as inflation occurs, it doesn't put off any income. And so, real estate is producing income. It's producing rental income for the people that are doing it the right way. So, whether or not my asset goes up, or whether it doesn't, I'm hedged because I'm going to get income either way. Now, if there's massive inflation, then my asset keeps up with inflation. If there's not massive inflation, and or even if there's a recession, whereas the real estate values go down, I can keep my real estate, and rent it, and make money with it. Now, the people that didn't and couldn't do that before were either not renting their properties, or they had purchased them for such a high price that they would not cash flow, even if the rents, you know, if if the rents had in any way, shape, or form gone down any amount. Now, I've lived through rent reductions. We had, a, you know, situations like that over the last thirty years. But I've never seen a rent reduction that was so low that I couldn't pay the mortgage payment on my property. Now, I've seen people had vacancies that were so high they couldn't pay a mortgage payment on their property. But that's because they don't live by the rule, best product, best price. They have a really, really poor piece of rental property in bad repair, terrible condition. They don't maintain it. And so, people don't want to live there. And when it gets where the market is soft at all, those bottom units, those bottom pieces of real estate, uh, what we used to call Class D properties, which they don't even call them that anymore because there's hardly very many of them left anymore, uh, we was, those places would go empty. Because people could afford to move up into a little bit better property now as the rents came down. And the people who didn't have any money, were broke, would move into those properties, and those people couldn't collect any rent. So, the Class D property was really a slum, is what it became. And had to be a slumlord to own it, because it never would have got down to being a Class D unless a slumlord owned it and allowed it to go down to being a Class D. So, we look at this situation, we say... Well, is that going to happen again? And you then have to reverse the course of the conversation completely to the other end of the stick and go, well, what's going on with real estate? Because, yeah, we see inflation occurring, but what's going on with real estate? And then you get to this other article that I came across, and it's called, Will the U.S. Housing Shortage Get Worse? And this article contends that before we see the value of real estate going down again, we're going to see it go up much, much more. And they're contending it on a group of facts that prove out that there is a shortage now. And they believe even larger shortage in the future. And if they're right, now we can come to the conclusion that, wow, How can real estate values go down if there's not enough real estate for the demand that's out there? The demand is higher than the supply, so the value has got to go up. The price has got to go up. So where do you go with that? You've got two different driving forces, both saying that housing prices are going up. And housing prices are going to go up to the point where, may they get to the point where people can't afford Housing. And then you ask yourself, well, what will the government do? We don't know what the government will do. We have no idea. But we know there's not enough housing. So, let's get into why there's not enough housing and why they think that there's going to be even less housing coming about as we look into this. But again, I want to take you back. I made my money during the recessions. Made most of my money during recessions. So, if there was, you know, the recession of 87... And then I, I, that's when I became rich the first time. That's my first level of wealth. But then when we got into 2008 and 2009, that recession is when I tripled my wealth in a year or two. That was just a massive, massive gain in my net worth during that recession. So, for me, talking about this ever-rising tide in real estate... It may sound like I'm telling you you should buy real estate because of the rising tide, but it's really not. I really don't care about the tide. The tide can rise and rise and rise and rise, and what I own gets, becomes worth more and more and more and more. But in just a short period of time, the Fed could do something, or the government could do something, that would change the value of real estate again. And I said, well, then why aren't you worried about that? Because I don't buy real estate simply as a hedge to inflation. I don't buy it like you buy gold. I don't buy it like you buy stocks hoping you'll go up in value. I buy real estate simply because it has cash flow. And because it has cash flow, I don't have to get up and go to work every day. Because why? Because I have income. And as long as I have income, I'm retired. I can stay retired. I don't need to come out of retirement to go back to work because the value of my assets go up or down. That's not relevant to my income. My income is derived totally from cash flow. And so, as long as my property's cash flow, I have income, I'm retired. And that's the important part that I want everybody to see as we come to the end of this first segment here, is that no matter how much I talk about the rise and the fall of the value of real estate, neither of those things are that important to me. Today, we're discussing the cost of housing, and will the cost of housing increase? And is there a shortage? And if so, how much of a shortage? And will the shortage increase uh, as time goes on? Following an article put up on Marcus Milchap that says, uh, it was called, Will U.S. Housing Shortages Get Worse? And they bring up some interesting points. It brought up the fact that single-family housing prices have risen on average across the country. Now, they also point out that that that's an average national rise, 24%. But if you think about it, how can even the smallest, which was 13%, that was the lowest rise uh, in any location in the country, to as high as 36% in California, I think Newport, something like that, Um, the bottom line is, average to 24%, how can you afford a home that's going up by a quarter of its value every year. You know, you're sitting there, you think about how do I qualify to buy a home for myself? How do I qualify? Well, I have to have the down payment, which is going to be 20%, unless you get into some governmental program where you can get less down, but you get in for 20% down of a price. Well, when I first started buying real estate, the price for the houses I was buying was $25,000 a house. The median income... For a home today, is well into the three hundred thousands, three hundred fifty thousand dollars a house. Um, it's just unbelievable, right? So let's just say it's three hundred thousand for easy math. Twenty five percent or twenty percent of three hundred thousand is sixty thousand dollars. Now, the average age of a home buyer is around for the first home buyer. I'm sorry, for a first home buyer is around thirty four years of age. 33, 34 years of age. That's when the average person buys their first home. I know one of our children uh, is buying their first home, and they're in that age group. Uh, Another one is still renting but would like to buy is in that age group. But the problem is, the one that's buying is buying from grandma. And grandma is allowing them to buy it on a contract, allowing them to pay payments to her. And so, they don't have to go out and get the down payment money. They don't have to go out and get a loan, get a mortgage, and so on and so forth. They're just going to buy it from grandma. Now, the other one can't afford to buy one, as the point that he made was, for what I could afford to buy a house, I couldn't afford to live in the house I, I live in now. In other words, he can rent cheaper than he can buy, and he wouldn't want to go down and buy something that was less than what he's used to living in. So you have a con- conundrum there, right? And. Every time you think, okay, now I'm doing a little bit better, now I've saved a little bit more money, so I have enough for a down payment, and the house goes up 24% in one year, which is 48% in two years. How do you you ever buy a home? I don't see how it happens. It's just mind-boggling, right? You also have to be able to cover the debt coverage which means you afford the mortgage payment. And if the price is going up 24%, then the mortgage is going up 24% a year higher. And the mortgage payment's higher. So how do you afford that? It gets to be insane. So over the last couple of years, over the last maybe three or four years, before COVID, interest rates had gotten so low that new home sales were higher than they'd ever been. They were just blowing and going, blowing and going, blowing and going. And it got to the point here and now where you're hearing stories about people offering bids for homes that are above list price. And I'm making this number up, but I just remember off the top of my head, something like 25% of all homes being sold being sold above list price. There's a bidding war going on out there, meaning there's no supply. Now, throw in COVID and make that supply go down even more. Why? One, no labor. Nothing's getting done. nothing getting built. And two, the cost of materials has skyrocketed. In some cases, I think lumber was up like 70%. So, you, you couldn't afford to build the house for the price you originally said you'd build it for. So, they just didn't build them. And so, construction went down. But even with that, with Prices going up with COVID, with people losing their jobs, with all that, they still sold more houses than they had in the last 12 years. Last year, so you think that just doesn't make sense. You've sold more than you've sold in the last 12 years, yet you're selling less because COVID is destroying your ability to sell, to build, to produce, to supply. Supply side of the curve is destroyed. So what happens? It's only one thing that can happen. Price has got to go up. There's more demand than there is supply. Price has got to go up and keep going up until you can squash demand. So, they talked about demand. And they're talking about a group of people called the millennials. And now there's 72 million millennials. And over the next five years, 4.8 million New households will be created out of the millennials. Now, what do they mean by that? What do they mean, either they'll get married and go buy a new home together, or move into an apartment together, or they'll move away from their parents who've been living with their parents, and finally, the parents will kick them out, or they'll get tired of living with their parents, and they'll go form a new household, or they may just decide— they want to move out, if they want to get married, if they're going to create a new household, basically what I'm trying to get to. But the new household scenario is a point that they're making that 4.8 million new households will be created. And yet, with the highest production of housing being created in the last 12 years, which was only 912,000 new homes, how are we going to supply the 5.4 million new households? Or I'm sorry, 4.8 new million households. That's, that's a problem with details and facts. They get all messy after a while. But when you look at those numbers, they don't work. They simply don't work. Especially, especially if you believe that the, the supply side of the equation is broken. In other words, if inflation, and this is where we get back to that inflation thing, if inflation is rising the cost of building materials, where does that stop? If it costs more to build a house, then it's got to cost more to sell the house, and it's going to cost more to buy it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Where does the cycle end? The bidding goes up, prices get higher, people can't afford, there's more demand. Hmm. So where does that all lead to? Well, here's where it's led to up till now. At this point, the average rent in the U.S. is $1,430, no, $1,480 a month. That's the average rent. The average home mortgage is $1,931. That's a $451 gap between rent and the cost of housing. We'll be right back with the Del Wamsey Radio Show. Successful Lifestyles Unlimited member retires in 10 months. The hardest part for me was to drop off my son, go to a job that I absolutely hated for five years, but know that that was a sacrifice that I needed to make, and then only be able to get to spend two hours with him after school before he had to go back to bed. So that's why once we started and we joined Lifestyles, we said, okay, we have a roadmap. We know what we're gonna do, and then a month later we find out we're pregnant with baby number two, and we're like, okay, we gotta kick it up a notch. So that's how we were able to purchase four different properties and um, replace in ten months, months. replace my income in ten months, so that whenever I finished maternity leave, I didn't have to go back to work. I think a I think a couple weeks before she baby came out is when we closed on a fourplex and that was enough for her not to have to go back to work. Are you ready for your roadmap to real estate retirement? Attend the online free workshop just like Carolina did. Register at lifestylesunlimitedworkshop.com. Welcome back to the Dell Radio Show. Today we're talking about uh, housing, U.S. housing, and uh, the shortage we have now and how uh, Marcus Milchap uh, authorities believe that it's going to go even higher. The shortage is going to be even higher, that is. And as we got into discussion, you can't have a discussion about the increased value of housing and the shortage of housing without the, the secondary discussion of inflation as it goes along. But as I sit and I think about this for a minute, I just started thinking to myself, you know, here's a point that I probably haven't made clear enough. So I'm just going to stop in the middle of this discussion and make this very clear point. When I started buying real estate in 87, I bought a home, first home, for $25,000, at that time, the median price was probably about 50,000 dollars. Now, the median price is 350 or higher. some places as much as 400. So I just took and made a little short analysis here and found that if you take the, the 25,000 I paid into a $350,000 median value now, that's a 1,400 percent increase. If you look at the fact that I didn't have to buy it and pay all cash for it, I only had to put down two thousand dollars. That makes it a sixteen hundred and twenty-five percent increase. And then I, what I was rationalizing this to is, what did gold do over that period of time? If Gold is really the best hedge against inflation. What did gold do over that time? So while we went to breakouts, looked it up. In nineteen eighty-seven, gold was selling for nine hundred and seventy-six dollars an ounce. Now, today, it's selling for $1,799 an ounce. So, that is a hedge against inflation, but that is a 180% increase. 180, think of that number, compared to 1,400%. 180, less than 200, compared to 1,400, which would be 7 Times as much if it had even a 200% increase. Seven times more, eight times more than gold as an inflation hedge. Yet at the same time, if you think about this, if you have just an average rental increase, a rental income of $400 a month, and I'm doing some quick math here really quick, and take $400 a month positive cash flow times 12, that's $4,800 a year. And that's 23 years ago times 23. That'd be $110,000 worth of cash flow, positive cash flow, plus the fact you would have paid the mortgage off by then. So you'd have the house, the value of the house. Whereas gold, you paid cash for it all up front. There's no mortgage reduction. There's no rental income. There's no tax savings on that value. There's nothing, not even close. So, for all you out there that keep saying to yourselves, well, I need gold, for whatever reason you think you need gold, you don't. You need real estate. That's the reality. Gold is a rock. It's useless. It's meaningless. If you had gold at your house and we had massive inflation and massive, massive uh, turmoil in our society, you would be willing to give me all of your gold to buy my lead that I keep at my house. Now, my lead basically is bullets. And bullets are more valuable than gold. If you want to hold on to something that has value, hold on to bullets. Because when it comes time to get gold, you can't defend your gold with gold, but you can defend your bullets with bullets, and you can get your gold with bullets. Now... I'm not saying go out there and be an armed citizen and whatever else you might want to make out of that little turmoil. I'm just making a joke about the fact that people think gold is so valuable. I don't know what you think you're going to do. How are you going to go get your gold if ever there's a recession? You own gold coupons somewhere. How are you going to get the coupons? They'll just make the coupons worth nothing. They won't be worth the paper that they're written on. So the only way you physically would have gold is if you physically had gold at your house. And like I said, you can't take a bar of gold down to the gas station to buy gas with it. not going to work. Let's get back to where we're at. Housing costs. So, housing costs are up 24.4% a year. In a year. What does that do? Well, let's talk about what that does. When I first started getting into rental real estate, the average vacancies were somewhere around 13 to 20%. You know, there's always vacancy. And that was one of the things that people feared about real estate. There was vacancy. What I'm seeing right now, is both by the numbers that Marcus Milchap said, which they said vacancy is now at nationally 3.8%. When I drive around looking at properties I'm trying to buy, it's that low. Most people I talk to, lifestyles, their vacancy is that low. In fact, I saw a property the other day that had 7% vacancy, and I kind of thought, man, you're a terrible operator. And, And that was somebody I was looking at buying. I thought that might be a good opportunity to buy this, that they mess it up, they have vacancy. Because nobody has vacancy anymore. What is it doing for the value of real estate? Well, cap rates are going down. The average is 5.1%, but that, they said, was during the end of COVID year. And that's the stuff that sold. That's history. I see stuff selling for more like 4.5%, 4.75% cap rates. That's what I see stuff on the market for. They maybe aren't getting it. I'm not sure. But that's surely what they believe it's worth. So, you're seeing the cost of real estate go up. You're seeing the rental income from real estate go up. But you're seeing interest rates go down. So, why is that? Because the only way you can afford to spend more for real estate and keep the price rising is if you can get cheap enough money to make it cash flow. Because why? The banks won't lend you if it doesn't cash flow. So, they're either going to have to continue to lower the interest rate, or they're going to have to start raising the amount of down payments. Now, there was a time when you could borrow 90% of an apartment. That's gone. you got to put at least 20% down now. many cases, they're asking for 30% down now, because that's the only way you get to the point where the debt is low enough that you can afford to pay it. The other thing they're doing besides lowering interest rates is they're going interest-only payments, which means the payment's smaller because you don't have to pay any of the principal for the first year or two or three, just interest-only. That's just to get the, the payment down smaller, so that you can afford the payment with the higher price that you're paying. So these things are consistently changing for the betterment or the worse of people, and that's the problem, that's the whole conversation that we want to have. Is it for the betterment? Is it for worse? Is it a problem that everything's getting expensive? And if you listen to the Fed, the Fed is saying, yes, it is a problem. Inflation should not be more than two percent a year, not twenty-four percent a year, should not be more than two percent a year. And you look at the other side of it and you look what not what the Fed is doing. They're lowering interest rates so stuff can keep going up in price. Yet they're complaining that there's too much inflation, and then you've got the government throwing trillions of dollars of stimulus package out. Six trillion dollars. In one package, they have another package. I think it's another $6 trillion they want to throw out. No, they haven't passed it, but they're throwing it. It's going. To, it's the first part of it's already out there. And it's creating massive inflation. So, we come down to this last final question you have to ask yourself. And that is, will people be able to afford to buy houses in the near future? And I think if you use any logic at all, you see they're not going to be able to. Because it's going to be too expensive. Now, let's throw on top of that, the Fed decides that, wait, we can't have this rampant inflation. Right now, they're saying they're singing the tune that, well, we think it's only because of all the pent-up non-buying during COVID, period. And now it's all coming back, and all this pent-up buying is out there, like travel, for instance. Uh, people are traveling by air, to where I heard today on the radio that um, there's gas shortages for airline fuel and so forth because of people coming back after covid wanting to go visit people they haven't seen in a long time, going on trips that they haven't taken in a long time. So, with that happening, with that inflation occurring, will the Fed raise interest rates? Hmm. They don't want to, but they may be forced to. You see that the government is looking at more stimulus packages that's only going to make things worse. So, who's the only person that can slow this thing down? If the government doesn't stop spending, which I don't think they can politically, then the Fed is going to have to raise interest rates. Now, let's go back to the housing situation again. Massive demand. Massive demand. Unpent-up, unsatisfied demand. Low, low shortage of supply. Very small amount of supply compared to the demand. And now you jack up interest rates, which makes the cost of the money to buy their home even higher. Today, we've been discussing the housing shortage in the U.S. and how, at least Marcus Milchap believes that's a real estate brokerage firm here in the country. They believe that it's going to get worse before it gets any better. And when we looked at all the facts that they brought to the bear, and we looked at my history in the business, we see that they're probably right, that it's probably going to be an even larger shortage coming up here in the future than there was. When we went to break, we talked about, you know, look at this situation. Everything we said, everything they brought up proves the point that there's not enough housing being built to satisfy the numbers of people that are going to be coming of age to want to buy a home. So, you have, you know, demographics-wise, an overburdening. You have low supply and cost of materials burdening the cost of homes, making them go up so we have a supply and demand curve problem and we have well I'm sorry that's both we have the supply problem and we have a demand problem we have too much demand and very little supply that's creating the problem now you take and you add in there interest rates which could be the disaster point of everything think about it if you can barely if if a millennial can barely afford to buy a home today now raise the interest rates i mean we're talking about people buying homes with two to three percent interest rates. That's giving money away free. What happens if interest rates just go back up to five again? Now you have to realize when I first got in real estate interest rates were twelve percent. When they went down to nine percent, I thought that was free money almost. When they went down to eight, you could buy anything. Everything was cheap when eight interest rates. Then went down to six. We refied everything we owned, and we were getting free money from that point forward. Then it went down to five. And then to four. And then to three. And you just go, what is going on? Now, people have been on that low-cost money for so long, I don't think they even know how to underwrite a deal if interest rates go back up to five. I think that's going to change everything. And for people trying to buy a home, it will virtually knock them out of the ability to buy or purchase a new home for themselves. So what does that do? Well, if people can't buy these things, except investors who are already rich can afford to buy them, everything will have to turn to the rental market. And what's going to happen to rents? They're going to go higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. The higher the rents are, the more income an apartment can produce, the more an investor can pay for that apartment and still be able to get funding for it. Because the interest rates, or even if they've gone up, will be offset by the fact that rents have gone up. And so more and more and more real estate will be owned by investors, and less and less and less real estate will be owned by homeowners. Whew. Think about that. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. So, Dell, doesn't there have to be an end to this stuff? At some point, Dell, come on. There's got to be an end. There's got to be a drop off the side of the cliff moment. Well, in 87, there was when they changed the tax laws. And I could buy a house for $25,000, bucks, 3 bedroom two-bath, two-car garage for $25,000. Lo and behold, about 10 years later, housing had gotten up to the point where I couldn't buy a house, even a three-bedroom, one-bath, one-car garage. I couldn't buy even a small house, two-bedroom. For anything less than forty thousand dollars. And I just thought, you know, that's ridiculous. That's too expensive for real estate. It should never be that high. And I got out of single family house started buying apartment complexes for eight to ten thousand dollars a door. I thought felt more comfortable that, that a place for a person to live could be rented for positive cash flow if you only paid eight thousand for it instead of forty thousand for it. But over the next ten years, in fact, over I think the next two or three years, that forty thousand dollar house that I wouldn't buy anymore jumped up to seventy thousand dollars. And then from seventy to hundred, and from hundred to one hundred and fifty, from one hundred and fifty to two hundred, from two hundred to two hundred fifty. You get the point. Three hundred fifty thousand dollars median price now. So I was wrong then. When I started buying these apartments for five to ten thousand dollars a unit, eight to ten thousand unit, whatever I paid for it, they eventually got up to where it was like thirty five thousand a door. And I'm going, man, that's three times what I paid for this thing. I've got to sell this. It's got to come crashing back down again. That's ridiculous. So I sold my real estate back then for about $35,000 a door. And the stuff that I sold for about $35,000 a door is now worth $70,000 a door. Now I left that and went looking for Class A's. And I tried to get in, and they wanted 108000 a door. I wanted to pay 104000 a door, so I got beat out. And I got beat out about that same price difference, one or 2000 a door, for about three or four more properties. I finally bought in at $123,000 a door. And I felt lucky to get that. But I could have bought for one thousand and eight and didn't. And two years later it was one hundred twenty three. So now I'm looking around trying to buy the same stuff again, more class A stuff, and it's going for one hundred seventy one to one hundred eighty seven. Now there are stuff out there very expensive stuff, it's $200, 250000 door even. But just for the stuff I'm buying, you know, ten year old properties are going for one hundred and eighty thousand dollars a door. Now, I thought about that for a second. My wife saw this, and we talked, and she goes, but we, we only paid $123,000. should not we sell? And I said, honey, one thing I've learned over 30 years of doing this is that you sell, you lose. You should always hold on to your property and buy more because it just keeps going up in value. And every time you sell, you let somebody else take that game. Now, granted, when you first start, there are some times when you want to sell, because you want to change types of properties you're buying, or you want to get out of single-family houses and go to multifamily. you've got to sell to do that. Or you want to go from you know, 40- or 50-year-old construction to 30-year-old to 20-to-10, you want to get the new stuff, then you've probably got to sell that older stuff to get enough money to buy the newer stuff. But other than that, just selling to take a gain isn't going to work anymore so, my friends, is there a housing shortage? The answer is yes. Will there be more of a housing shortage next year? The answer is yes. Will the prices of real estate continue to go up? The answer is yes. Until they change the interest rate. Keep your eyes open. Watch the Fed. Pay attention. But remember, as you buy and hold, we're not doing this for a little more money. We're doing it for a lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. The information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.